0: Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson as always. I am your good friend and host Steve Robertson here on the hump day edition of the yard. One day closer to college football kids. Today's Wednesday. We're going to get some SEC football tomorrow night. Probably be a little bit uh, more entertaining I guess. I don't know if that's fair. Uh, with Vandy and Hawaii it was a pretty entertaining game. The quality of football wasn't great but it was still fun to watch. Maybe it's like a uh, You know, it's kind of like uh, for those of you that run long distances, you know, you get a little calorie deprived, right? Uh, The first time that I ran a half marathon, um, we went to Cracker Barrel afterwards. And uh, this lady was like giving samples of some cherry dessert as you waited. And I ate it and it was like something directly from heaven. It was like the greatest thing I'd ever eaten. So we, you know, we had to buy the recipe and all the stuff and bring it home, and it wasn't nearly as good. It was good. It wasn't nearly as good, and I think it's because we're calorie-deprived. And I think maybe that's how we feel about that Vandy-Hawaii game. I think we'll look back in hindsight and say it was kind of a dog of a game in many respects, but we hadn't had one in a long time, so we savored that moment together. And it kind of felt good just to see a team that we're somewhat familiar with, right? even though we don't play Vandy regularly. Uh, unlike, and again, it's such a tragedy, you know, the great rivalry between Ole Miss and Vanderbilt is dying due to uh, schedule changes, but uh, be that as it may, it was good to watch the game. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, football today. Matter of fact, we're going to talk a lot about football today. Got an interesting top 10 list. You guys have had some really good suggestions lately, too, and uh, we've had a nice run as of late, Roy's had some uh, suggestions. I've had several. It's out of the blue, people are like, hey, and uh, I'll tell you too, I have shared uh, many of your messages with my lovely wife about uh, your feedback from her theory of a dead man list. I had one female listener that said, hey, I think Dana should do that more often. We'll see. We'll see. You know, we'll see how it goes. I don't know that I want to be upstaged by my wife on my own show. No, seriously, she... She's welcome to do it. She can do the show, for all I care. Uh, No, seriously, it's a great time. And thank you guys so much for your positive feedback. It meant a lot to her. It did. She was nervous about doing that. And um, I want to thank you guys for keeping my confidence that I did throw her theory of a Dead Man CD away uh, years ago. But I'll be honest with you, I've been listening to those guys a lot uh, here the last several days, yeah, kind of growing on me a little bit, you know, kind of how life works. But uh, yeah, so thanks for your positive comments. We had to get any negative ones. I think you guys are probably just good people, right? But uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what to expect this weekend. It's never too early to start preparing for that trip. You're not in mid-season mode, right? You're not there. I mean, like even this week I was making some plans. Okay, we'll get together next Monday for lunch. Oh, we got Zach Arnett at noon next Monday. You know, oh, let's go to breakfast. You know, Uh, you got to get back into football mode, man. It's different. And so I'm going to promise you right now, you're going to forget things. Those of you that tailgate, you know, it's going to be possible. But you're going you're gonna to forget things. Maybe have get your little checklist out. For some of you, you're like, Steve, I'm not going to forget anything. All I got to do is get dressed and grab my tickets and I'm on the way. You know, hey, good for you. But there are many of our Bulldog fans that make this a big event. So let me encourage you today, tonight, at some point, before you get ready to pack the rig and head this way, go ahead and do a bit of a mental inventory to make sure, because you're going to get here and you're going to forget something. I'm just telling you, you're not in mid-season form. Be patient with yourself. We're going to go over a few things today. I don't have any tailgating tips for you or anything like that, but uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, kind of looking ahead at the season for the SEC as a whole, our updated uh, win-loss totals and things like that, and uh, – Kind of tell you who I'm bullish on, who I'm not. We'll do some game day stuff too. Kind of prepare you for that. And uh, I don't know if you've noticed, if you uh, are a user of jeanspage.com, and you certainly should be, you know, we make just about all of our team content free. Guys, we've had over a dozen videos of your players and coaches posted for free this week. Nobody's done that. Nobody. It's true. You know, I, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you, and this is going to hurt some feelings, and I'm perfectly okay with that. If I step on your toes, I hope it hurts. We're, we're covering the university better than the university's covering the university. It's true. It's true. People ask me all the time. They say, hey, Steve, do you work for Mississippi State? Ha, they wish, right? No, seriously, those guys do a good job over there. But uh, nobody's doing a better job than us. So come check us out over at jeanspage.com the uh, Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I might get in there today, now that I think about it. I might get in there today. I'm kind of of jonesing for those sloppy Joe sliders. You know, maybe we'll see. Wife's coming home today. She'll be home later this evening. So, like, usually what I do, like many of you, I'll just eat big for lunch, get something light at dinner, right? Or just have something around here. That's a good thing about Bulldog Burger Company. It's almost like taking care of dinner and lunch at the same time because the portions are so substantial like i can go up there and get the mission and those french fries and uh probably eat i don't know two-thirds of it and then maybe half those fries because i mean they, you talk about a place that gives you fries man bulldog Burger company kind of the undisputed champion when it comes to quantity of french fries but nevertheless may go up there and eat bring what i have left over home eat that for dinner A lot of people are cutting back on the size of their portions and then charging you more money. It's unscrupulous. That's why you get integrity from the fine folks at Bulldog Burger Company. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Stark, Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Go by and check them out. Let them know that I sent you. Have the spring rolls as your appetizer. We're trying to make America a beautiful place. So the more spring rolls you eat, the better your perception of life and the world is and it also makes you better looking yeah it's a true story and uh get that chocolate shake to go perhaps the bread pudding i love will burger company i've loved them for a long time and i think that uh you do too maybe maybe you're not um maybe you're not as in love with them as i am though to be quite honest with you i love going in there because i know what i can expect quality service quality food Quality atmosphere, all at a great price. Not a lot of people can make that claim these days. That's a great thing about Bulldog Burger Company. You get what you pay for and then some. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet M-E-A-T. All right. Now, Friday, we're going to preview the SEC weekend. And so, you know, we, we may like run through that quickly today just to kind of prepare you because, again, you know there's games coming up. But we'll get a little more in-depth and we'll pick games on Friday. But what I wanted to do today is, you know, we have previewed everybody other than Southeastern Louisiana, which we will do Friday on the show. Friday's show, already laying that out for you. Kind of get you prepared. Uh, a lot of things on Friday. But uh, let's take a look here. I got a lot of tabs open, to be quite honest with you. Did a lot of research for the uh, for the top ten of the day. It was Roy's suggestion. So if you like the list, credit Roy. If you don't like it, blame Roy. It's a good list, though, to be honest with you. All right, so looking at the uh, the Vegas odds for win totals for Southeastern Conference teams. Okay, you with me? And these half things are so interesting. The half always favors the house, right? I mean, that's where they do it. They put you in conflict because it's like you can't pick three and a half. So there's no chance of being a push. You got to pick one or the other. So, they have Vanderbilt at three and a half. Okay, I'm taking the under here. So, so basically, if this was a buy-sell, we're selling Vanderbilt. I don't think they're going to get the four wins. There's no way they can get it at three and a half. Not, not an account in the record books. But Vandy at three and a half, I've got them two and ten. And uh, I, I, th- I'll, I was surprised last year that they were able to beat Kentucky and beat Florida, to be honest with you. So, I don't want to just... You know, completely crap on the season for Clark Lee and those guys. And my buddy Barton Simmons, of course, working uh, up there, doing a great job for the Commodores. But I just don't see it. And, and again, after watching that game against Hawaii, I see it even less. Because if you think about the Kentucky and Florida wins last year, so much of that was because of the quarterback run with Mike Wright. Well, now you don't have that. And I'll be honest with you. We were talking about – if there's, they got some talent on that team, not what you would say, you know, an elite SEC team by any stretch of the imagination. But they have upgraded the talent a little bit. They have some skill up there, and I won't be the least bit surprised if they have to like fend kids out of the portal. But Vandy at three and a half, I think is, um, I think that's a bad bet. So I'm going under on the three and a half. I don't even know how they have this stuff organized here. It's not alphabetical. It's not, I I don't know. So we're just going to go with it. Arkansas at six and a half. And I'll be honest with you, this is a great, 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 great pick. Now, I will be honest with you, when I put it turned in my picks for the season, I made a change. I flip-flopped Arkansas and Auburn in that game. I thought Auburn might get them. As of now, I think I'm going to go with Arkansas. So that changes the dynamics a little bit for me. Because I had Arkansas last in the West at 6-6. Six and six. I got them going 7-5. and five. And I think because of the fact that we're going to have uh, four teams in the playoffs and or the New Year 6, I think Arkansas is probably going to get a great benefit in the bowl pecking order because of that. I think Arkansas, I project them for the ReliaQuest Bowl. You say, Steve, how could that be? Well, I think we're going to be a game better than them. But because we went to ReliaQuest last year, they're going to go instead of us you'd say well does that mean we're going to the citrus no i got i got an in a citrus i got us going to gator and mike namath and i talked about this yesterday the texas bowl has wanted us terribly the last few years and hadn't been able to get us and so and obviously we needed to go to Reliquest last year but uh, the reality of it is is that uh you know, we may have a better record and go to what some consider a lesser bowl this year because of the way this thing plays out. And, of course, you win enough ball games, you go to Florida Citrus, not to worry about it. But Arkansas at six and a half, I'm, I'm taking the over. I'm going with seven wins for the Razorbacks. The thing that I think about is later in the year, after everybody's a little bit tender, you know, having to go out there and defend K.J. Jefferson and Rocket over and over and over again, 40 times a game. That's a losing proposition. It's getting colder. You're feeling the sting a little bit more. But I just think defensively, Arkansas is such a mess. But they'll go as far as KJ can take them. All right, let's scroll a little bit farther down here and see who, who's next. I mean, it's so interesting, too, because, again, there's no value to this where it, there's no order. So I never know. It's like, uh, you know, we're just pulling names out of a hat here. But let's go Florida. The over-under is 5.5. I'm going under here. I picked Florida at five and seven. And you start running through this here and you start thinking, well, it's Florida. But you think, what? no. I know it's Florida, but I know what my eyes have seen the last couple of years. You can't let the helmet sticker bias work for you or against you. That's what happens a lot. Like people see the Mississippi State, oh, well, that's a good reason to change our helmet sticker, right? They say, oh, it's Mississippi State. And, like, people are going to look at Florida and say, well, i give giving it for the doubt. It's Florida. You know, it's Urban. It's Steve Spurrier. It's, you know, Danny Werfel and Tebow and Percy Harvin. And, no, none of those people are there anymore. They're not. Why did not it? When you look at the Florida logo, why isn't it Jim Levitt? Right? Why did not it Felipe Franks? I know you watch the Swamp Gators documentary that was very self-serving. Like, oh, Florida, chop, chop. No, no. This is a Florida team that's in trouble. I'm taking the under at five and seven. All right, next up on our list is Auburn. Six and a half. This is a tough one, kinda of like Arkansas, because I think these are these are contemporaries and think it's very close. Guys, I'm going under, I'm going with six wins for Auburn. And I know I got some people listening to this and say, Steve, no, I'm going six. A lot of moving parts to this. I think they're a little bit talent deficient. And listen, again, they went in a portal, so you don't necessarily know how those things are going to match. We've seen this so many times when teams go wholesale in the portal, you know, and it's like they you know, they hit on one or two kids and they, they, they don't on some others. Give free some time. But um, I don't think Auburn is a bad team. I don't think they're a great bowl team this year either. You know, I think six and seven is probably the sweet spot. I think we all kind of say, yeah, they'll, they'll be a bowl team. I got them going to the Liberty Bowl, but I got them at six wins because, I've again, I felt differently three weeks ago. I thought Auburn would beat Arkansas. I, I no longer – and, again, I may change my mind as we get closer, but having had some time to think about this, I'm flip-flopping Arkansas Auburn. And just so you know, too, my last-place team in the West right now is Ole Miss at six and six because I think they lose a tiebreaker to Auburn. Yeah. All right. Next up for us is Kentucky, seven and a half. I'm taking the under on this. I think this is easy money. I'm not going to bet my house on this. I'm not going to bet a substantial amount of money. I don't see Kentucky getting eight wins, and I don't know how anybody else could either. I, I don't know what's driving the bus here for Kentucky every single year. And, and everybody seems to forget. like It's like, oh, they won 10 games this year. But what about all those other years when you expected them, well, they're going to take the next step this year, and then they're 7-5? Nope, there's never any accountability for that. Everybody's like, oh, we told you Kentucky was going to be good. And they have a really good year, like once every four or five years. But they're mediocre the rest of the time. They're a mediocre team this year. Now, they could surprise, but, you know, this time last year, uh, you know, Will Levis was supposed to be the first pick in the draft and certainly the first quarterback taken, and he wasn't. And he shouldn't have been. And there was all this hype, and I remember last year, Robbie Falk and I had this discussion. They we were talking about Levis. Was, I said, I don't see it. I don't see it. The produ- You don't just have bad production or very mediocre to average production, and then all of a sudden you're going to figure it out. What happened are so many people last year that just kind of went along with what some of the draft analysts said. It's like, hey, this guy from a physical skill standpoint, this guy's a pro. Problem with that is doesn't appear to be able to read defenses. It's tough. So, yeah, I'm going under. Going under. Uh, I think Kentucky's a 6-16. Six six Could be a 7-5 team. But either way, we're safely under the 7.5 there based on the odds I'm looking at. All right, we scroll along here too. We're scrolling, we're scrolling, we're scrolling, and we get LSU, nine and a half. I'm going over. I think that's a very interesting thing. I don't see LSU losing three games. I guess it's possible. I think Jaden Daniels could end up being the SEC player of the year if he stays healthy. Because if you remember, like beginning of the year last year, like even against us, LSU kind of struggled to figure out what to do with him. Is he a pocket passer? Do we want him to run a lot? Is there a lot of quarterback design runs here? Do we do some power? You know, and against us, it was kind of backyard football, right? They didn't have a lot of design quarterback runs for him. But after our game, they did. It's like they finally, Brian Kelly and his guns kind of figured out. So, you know what? It looks like he's smart enough to get down and get out of bounds and protect himself. Hey, let's sprinkle in a little more QB run. And then he destroys all Miss, right? And so later in the year, they don't beat Alabama without the quarterback run. But I've got LSU as a team, but uh, some people are picking them to win the West and then losing to Georgia and Atlanta. Uh, I've got Alabama winning the West, but uh, I definitely think LSU will win 10 or more, probably 10 or 11. Uh, but they'll be in a New Year Six somewhere, you know, surely. All right, we're scrolling, we're scrolling. Oh Miss, seven and a half, absolutely under, absolutely under. I don't see them winning more than seven. I've got them one in six, but I could see, hey, you know what? They could, you know, they could beat Arkansas or, or uh, Auburn and get to seven. I don't see Ole Miss getting to eight. And Steve, Steve, you're a hater. Well, think about this before we even get started, right? They got LSU, Alabama, and Georgia on the schedule. That's three losses. So you mean to tell me they're going to go the rest of the year and only lose one more game? with toss-ups against Mississippi State, Arkansas, A&M, Auburn, they're going to go undefeated in those games? Are they going to go four-on-one in those games? I'm not buying it. It's a bad schedule. And not only do you have three of the heaviest hitters in the conference, the way this schedule lays out is not good for Ole Miss. And I'm not just sitting here talking trash about Ole Miss. I just don't see them winning more than seven. If they do, hey, congratulations. I just don't see it. All right, we're scrolling – we're scrolling – we're still scrolling. You guessed it. Still scrolling. Missouri, six and a half. Yeah, I'm going under here too. I think this is easy money. Missouri has some offensive skill. Defensively, at times, they played exceptionally well last year. They just couldn't put it together both games. You know, both sides of the ball in the same games. You think, okay, well, this year they'll, they'll figure some things out. I think Eli Drinkwich is in trouble. I do. Number one, I don't think he was ready for this job. You know, he got the job after one year as a head coach at Appalachian State. And he's a little bit prickly, you know, like he, he says some things in the media sometimes. And it's like people always remark on it. I'm thinking, why is this newsworthy? You know, nothing has happened in recent years for Missouri football that would think, oh, this is breaking news, you know, doesn't matter. But I think they're in trouble. Now, how much does Missouri care about football? Right. That's a thing you got to think about. How much do they care? But I got them. I got them having a losing year this year. I think it's going to be tough. You know, last year we were rooting for them down the stretch because you know all of us, uh, you know, grassy knoll conspiracy types, conspiracy types. I told you a month before it happened, Missouri was going to beat Arkansas because it, the money matters. You say, Steve, are you telling me they fixed the game? I'm not telling you they fixed it, but I can promise you this. It didn't hurt anybody in Birmingham's feelings when Missouri beat Arkansas, ensuring that we got one more team into the bowl picture, more money in the SEC coffers. Do they fix the game? I don't know about that, but I can tell you this. Nobody was unhappy about it. They won't make a bowl game this year, though. No. All right, we're back to scrolling. It's almost like spinning the wheel on... Uh, on the price, is right. Got to rest your soul, Bob Barker. Georgia with 11 and a half. This is a tough one, man. It really is. Because you think, in order for me to win here on the over, they got to go undefeated in the regular season. I think they're going to. Because I think, I think really the, it probably boils down to uh, Tennessee and Georgia. And I think Georgia's just simply going to have too much on defense for Tennessee. I think... Kirby Smart and those guys will have Joe Milton kind of think thinking a lot. You know what I mean? They're gonna have him kind of hesitating because Joe is a great big arm and is very instinctive. But what happens when you kind of, you know, throw some things at him he hadn't seen yet? I think Georgia, talent standpoint, schematic standpoint, I think they'll be too much. So it's tough, but I'm gonna take Georgia to go undefeated in the regular season. So we're taking the over. Alabama. Then I've scroll along that time ten and a half. I'm going over here. Some people are thinking maybe they lose to LSU, maybe they lose to Tennessee. Okay, well they'll lose one of those two and could still finish with the over. I'm taking the over. I've got Alabama going 11 and one. I'm not willing to put up any money on this. But every year that they forecast failure for Nick Saban, he like wins an national championship. I do expect Alabama to be really good. No matter who the quarterback is, there's a lot of pieces around that quarterback where they, they could basically just be a caretaker of the offense. Just don't go out there and lose the game. I think Alabama's going to be much better on defense too. Not that they were bad last year. They got some dudes though. Mississippi State, six and a half. That's over, baby. It's easy money. I'm taking that over and I'm running with it. And it's so interesting that some I've seen some people out there – Projecting us to have a losing season. And I've even asked a couple people, and it's not even worth the time of their time, they don't they don't know. Like, why? Well, you got stake going five and seven. Why? Well, you know, new coaching staff I said, Well, you understand that everybody's back defensively, with rare exception. You know, you know what Arnett's been there for three years? Well, yeah, he's a first time coach. It's a new offense. Do you understand Mississippi State has the most experienced roster in the Southeastern Conference? State's going to start 19 to 22 seniors. Were you aware of that? Oh, well, no, I didn't know that. You know Will Rogers is one of the most prolific quarterbacks in the history of college football? You know, you know that? And and his job got a little bit easier? Well, yeah, I guess. But he's going to be under center. No, he's not. You know, that, That's a conversation that I have regularly. And that's a problem with lists. Anybody can make a list. Requires no skill. Requires no inside knowledge. It also doesn't come with an accountability piece either. Everybody gets to keep a job. We don't have to scroll along here because we've got a lot of SEC teams here at the end of this list. we got South Carolina, six and a half. Not, there's a reason Vegas makes a ton of money, right, because they know how to position these things. I've got Carolina going six and six. I do. I think there's going to be a lot of six and six, seven and five in the league this year because I think a lot of teams in the second half of the league are going to beat each other up. And South Carolina has Clemson and North Carolina in the non-conference schedule. I got both of those games as losses. So you begin to work your way through that and say, well, if they go 500 in the league and then 500 non-conference, well, guess what that ends up being? 500, 6-6. So if you have them losing North Carolina and Clemson and you consider the fact that they have to play Tennessee and Georgia right out of the gate... It's easy to talk yourself into six and six. So they could pull an upset out there. You know, they could. Because Shane's done that in each of the last two years. They found a way to beat somebody they shouldn't. The problem that South Carolina's going to have this year is that the league is kind of getting better around them and they're kind of ending, reaching the end of a talent cycle. Spencer Rattler going to be kind of like KJ Jefferson, a lot of pressure on his shoulders, to say the least. Texas A&M, eight and a half. I'm going under. I could get to 8-4 and four with AM. I can't get to 9-3. and three. And you know as well as I do, there will be some meltdown between Jimbo and Bobby Petrino. You know it. I mean, it's basically two Brahma Bulls out there rolling around in the yard, you know, and it's like at some point there's going to be some type of argument or discussion about play calling and Jimbo's going to want to call this. He'll overrule, overrule Petrino or Petrino's going to say this. It is so difficult to take a guy or a lady that has been the leader of an organization and then expect them to go be a good soldier. When you're used to being the shot caller and now all of a sudden you've got to go follow orders, it's difficult to do that. And people forget Petrino was head coach last year too. It's not like he's just been sitting around. And so when you have a guy that has been a head coach as long as Petrino, what kind of soldier is he going to be? There's, at some point, there will be a blow up. We, we may not be privy to the details, but at some point, they're going to blow up. I got them 8 and 4, and I can say, hey, you know, if state beats them, it's probably a 7 and 5 team. But again, you start thinking about your contemporaries, right? Texas AM is a pretty manageable non conference schedule. i play Miami. That's big. But. What do they do against Arkansas, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Auburn? What do they do with that group right there? That's going to determine the season. Do you split those games? Yeah, maybe you do. Do you go to South Carolina, win that game? Yeah, probably so. I've got them going eight and four. I can see seven and five. I can't get behind nine and three. Tennessee nine and a half. I think that's easy money, baby. I do. I think the only games that Tennessee really has a chance to lose without a major injury is Georgia and Alabama. That's 10 wins in a regular season. Who else is going to beat them? Unless they beat themselves, which is certainly possible. So, again, I understand what Vegas did here. I don't think most, there's some people that would say they're probably a 9 and 3 team. I don't know right now, based on what we know. How you could look at this Tennessee team and say they're not a 10-win team. Look at what happened last year. I said, well, you know what, Steve, they lost Hendon Hooker. That's true. They did. They did. I just don't think, number one, the East is as good as last year. And so you begin to think about, you know, how Tennessee is going to rack these things up. Well, they get Vandy. Okay, that's a dub, right? They get South Carolina. That should be a dub. They get Kentucky, that should be a dub. They get Missouri, that should be a dub. They get South Carolina, that should be a dub. You, you, you see my point here. The only team in the East that you look at, in Florida, when that you look at and say, you know what, that team is clearly better than Tennessee, is Georgia. Tennessee, on paper, and based on last year's performance, is better than every other team in the East. And you factor in a non-conference schedule they should sweep, And you start thinking about that for a second okay there are seven teams in the east they're one of those seven and then you have the georgia loss well that's five dubs right there you win your non-conference that's nine so all you got to do is get one win against the west and you got 10 that's going to happen i like the tennessee team i like the josh hype will hire i think a lot of people are going to regret the fact that they uh passed on that job and again the fact that the Tennessee able to navigate this NCAA labyrinth without the bowl ban? Pretty significant. This is going to be a fired-up Tennessee team. That's, that's how I see it. And uh, this will be the last time that we talk about projections of the season because guess what? The season's here. You know, so we'll get together on Friday and kind of go through it week by week. And, uh, you know, like we, like we do. You know, that's a big part of the show, right? And so during football season, so let's take a quick look at the uh, SEC schedule. Just and again, we'll give you further details as we get into uh, into all of this. But um, you got a couple of uh, SEC games tomorrow night. That's right. You got Florida and Utah at Utah. A lot of discussion about the health of the quarterback at Utah. You know what, what's happening there. You know he tours ACL in the bowl game, and they've been very careful with him. He's not going to be 100% no matter what they do. I think maybe they start him, but you know, as you you and I both know, the guy that's taken the lion's share of the reps has been the number two guy. Magnemith and I spoke about this earlier, about um, when Mississippi State went to uh, BYU several years ago. You know, we go out there, and it's like we go through, walk through at night, and we're like, hey, this is cool. Hey, we're good. We're good, man. We're good. And then we get into the ball game, and everybody's sucking wind. Florida's been down here in its humidity, and last year in that fourth quarter, I think it got to Utah a little bit. I think the altitude's an issue. I do, especially when you run an offense like they do that's, you know, so predicated on speed and not always about execution. It's going to be interesting i've got utah winning a close one here i've got utah winning in florida covering that's how i picked it on a jeans page uh projections but uh looking forward to watching that game again that's thursday night on espn i know you can't wait i can't wait around that same time on the sec network south dakota i believe they went three and nine last year will be at missouri I told you I don't expect Missouri to win much. Uh, South Dakota will go in there. Should be an easy game. And then, of course, we get into uh, Saturday's games. you got Virginia at Tennessee. Ball State is at Kentucky. Western Carolina, the Catamounts at Arkansas. Mercer at Ole Miss. UMass at Auburn. UMass went 111 last year. Southeastern Louisiana in Stark Vegas. UT Martin is at Georgia. New Mexico, the Lobos. Zach Arnett's alma mater will be at Texas A&M. Alabama A&M is at Vanderbilt. Middle Tennessee is at Alabama. North Carolina at South Carolina. That's, the, that's a, a night game, too. You start running through all this because like after we play, you're like, hey, what are we going to watch see when we get home? That's the game. UNC and South Carolina. Because everything else that evening is a dog of a game. And then the best game of the weekend probably in the country, Sunday night, LSU and Florida State in Orlando. Yeah, so... Good weekend, but you got the recipe for a ton of blowouts this opening weekend. But uh, you you start sizing this thing up, Florida and Utah, that'll be fun. I don't think Tennessee and Virginia will be, but LSU and Florida State certainly should be. I think UNC and South Carolina will be a fun game too. Uh, so, yeah, when you get home Saturday evening or you get back to the condo or the tailgate or wherever you're going to be, the RV, the campsite, whatever, you got a pretty good ball game to watch uh, that evening. And again, we'll preview these games a little more in detail on Friday uh, on the show. Time for uh, today's top 10 list. How about that? Brought to you as always by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair. Dot com. Are you familiar with that? I think we do. Let's hook him up. 601 Six zero one five zero zero two three four four. 601 601-500-2344. Blair Chandler, your friend in the industry. A lot of confusion these days about mortgages where things are headed. Nobody knows better than him. Nobody knows better than Blair. Twenty-two years of experience in this industry, top 1% close ratio in the country, back to back to back years. You could entrust your mortgage with a lot of people. You could. But why not do it with somebody that's been around, they've seen it all and done it all? And again, we've shared on the show before, too, there's this new thing, too, about 18-year-olds can now sign a mortgage document, provided they have a parent sign with them. It's a good opportunity for you to help your young person get a head start in life or perhaps build some equity, right? Yeah, right. Build a little bit of a nest egg for them. So when they graduate, or whatever, uh, you're good to go. Maybe you sell that property. Now, I don't know what you want to do with it, but the reality of it is you got options you didn't have before reach out to Blair, let him know. And again, he tells me again, hey, Steve, I got a pre-qualification, another Boneyard loan. We just closed another Boneyard loan. And so your Boneyard listeners are doing business with Blair. And there's a, there's a reason people to continue to advertise, right? It's because there's benefit in advertising. If you're looking to advertise, reach out, let me know. Uh, may have somebody coming into this last spot. I got to clear some things up here. We'll see. Uh, but nevertheless, closedblair.com. Okay, uh, suggestion from uh, Roy. I'm not sure if it was Roy's idea or, um, you know, kind of uh, if it was somebody that sent it to Roy. But nevertheless, it's um, American Idol alums. Top 10 songs from American Idol alums. Now, what I, I'll be honest with you. What I did, I didn't just pick songs. I kind of ranked them. On my favorites, but I sprinkled it in to make the list maybe not so Steve centric, because there hadn't been a lot of uh, headbangers on the show. Uh, there's no Constantine Maroulis on our show. There's no Clay Aiken. I know many of you love Clay. It's not really my cup of tea, but uh, yeah, we've got a good list, and I got a bunch of tabs open here, so I got to be careful what I do here. Number ten on your list. Every time I see this kid's name, I think about, uh, I don't even know the name of the song, but like he, he would have this brooding thing like that, you know, something about, uh, turn those lights down low. You'll know that I'm not going to do it. I know you want me to do it. I'm not going to do it. You know, Was a baby locked in doors and turn those lights down low. You know, uh, that's like what I remember Scotty McCreary for the guys had a, a nice little run here though. Um, really has, you know, and, um, the debut album went platinum. It's been kind of uh, you know different since then. You know that's um, that's the thing about these American Idol. There's a lot that a lot of them don't have staying power. Some do, but Scotty hasn't. Uh, Scotty had the platinum album and then um, reached gold with the Christmas album, and it's kind of been diminishing returns ever since. But uh, we're gonna go with a great track off of. Uh, uh, one of his individual solo albums, it's uh, Five More Minutes. Great track. It's about, you know, you look back over life and you say, you know what, I wish I would have appreciated that a little bit more at the time. And there's a talk about being, you know, high school when senior day and all that kind of stuff. Five More Minutes. Number nine, and I want to take some time to talk about this young lady. I always liked her. Always. thought she was really talented. Country's not really my thing. Uh, She fits the girl next door to a T. And I thought she was really talented. I didn't think she was good enough to win. I thought she was good enough to do well. And she made it to sixth place on season five. We're talking about Kelly Pickler. But now that I know more of her story, I I don't just like her. I I love her as a human being. I I do. And she has had some incredible tragedy in her life. Uh, For those of you who don't know... um, Her dad wasn't really in her life. Her mom had her for a while and then abandoned her, basically, came back and tried to get her back and then abandoned her again and left her with uh, her dad's parents, her grandparents, Bo Pickler Sr., right? And uh, Grandma Faye raised her and uh, she was a cheerleader out there in North Carolina and a small town girl. She got, made it to American Idol and uh, began to achieve some notoriety and she had a reality show and then earlier this year her husband shot and killed himself. Four years, five years ago her dad died at 54. So this is a young lady that has been through it. Right? You see the beautiful face and you see the big house and you say, oh yeah. You know. Kelly Pickler has not had it easy at all. And... Uh, Of all the people on this list that I would most like to sit down and talk to, it's her. Not because I'd like to ask her out on a date. Number one, I'm married, right? Uh, But I think if there's anybody on this list that ever needed somebody to let them know they loved them, it's her. And doing my research on Kelly Pickler, I knew about some of these things. It makes me love her as a person that much more to know the things that she's dealt with. And uh, listen, we all have a struggle. We do. None of us go through this thing without getting our hearts broken or having something totally unexpected happen to us. None of us do that. But she has had a little more tragedy than most. And uh, that's part of the deal, too. And and there's a song, the number nine song is I Wonder by Kelly Pickler, one of the most uh, personal songs that she wrote, and it's about her mom leaving her. You know, but, hey, I hear the weather's great out in California, but uh, I wonder if you'll ever come back to Carolina. And it's not, her mom ended up writing her a letter kind of apologizing about everything in their lives. But, you know, and I know that I I always get on these little rants about this stuff. Do you want me to tell you the number one thing that Kelly Pickler has dealt with in her life? And it's so great that she had her grandparents to love her and give her as close to a normal life as they possibly could. Kelly Pickler has been surrounded by selfishness her whole life. Absolute truth. Absolute selfishness. Her mom didn't want her. Her dad didn't care about her when she was young and he was constantly in trouble. And uh, a guy that had a lot of drug problems and things like that wasn't in her life until she got much older. It's amazing how that happens. Like all of a sudden your child achieves some level of notoriety and Oh, maybe I'll give her a chance, you know. I mean, it's like, you know, I don't know people's motivations, but the whole thing just looks really bad. But she has been surrounded by selfishness. And it's like I think I've done some research, and again, you can, you know, if you talk to enough people, you can hear whatever you want. Same thing with reading on the Internet. But, uh, you know, how does Kelly Pickler's mom just leave her? And then you, you go back and have her back for two years, and you leave her again. And you know what? Maybe Kelly Pickler was better off with her grandparents and i hate to say it this way but it's true and this is a pg-13 show so i won't say exactly what i want to say but some people's parents are trash absolute trash i mean i'm just going to say it for what it is if you are grown enough to have a child you need to be grown enough to raise a child period and if that costs me some listeners then so be it right that's the way i feel about it and i think about this poor girl and all that she's had to deal with and uh and then again like in her husband kills himself this year and her dad wasn't there to comfort her where does this young lady turn nevertheless we're moving on number eight i really like this guy a lot and it was kind of more of an americana type thing not really my cup of tea but i dig it man it's phil Phillip phillips the gray track gone 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 and that's a song about loyalty. It's such a contrast to what Kelly Pickler's talking about, right? You know, so much of that. You, you hear the title, Gone, Gone, Gone. It's like basically if you had, if you had trouble and you called me and you said, hey, then I'm, I'm gone. I'm out the door. I'm coming to you. I'm, I'm, I'm loyal to you. And loyalty is such an underrated attribute of the human experience, right? Because the world is such a will to power. I mean, how many people are truly loyal to you? And I'm trying to get you depressed or anything, but have you ever stopped and really considered that? Because you just kind of take things at you know, face value or take things for granted. Oh yeah, I got a great bunch of friends. Yeah, and then you'll be the guy on uh, WLBT or on on the on, uh, you know Fox News or something. Oh man, we never saw it coming. You know, <laughs> yeah, because you don't know people. It's true. I can't tell you how many times somebody surprised me. Like I didn't know they had that in them. It's true. Good, bad, and indifferent. Right? There's just always something out there. But um, yeah, think about that. I mean, how many people are truly loyal to you? You probably the truth of the matter is you can probably count them on one hand. And if you count more than that, you're a more blessed man than me. Reminds me of that great song "Just Breathe" from uh, Pearl Jam. You know, I'm grateful to have one because so many other men have none. It's a true story. Number seven, a guy that I really thought would do much better commercially, and uh, one, maybe I've got. You know, maybe I like this guy because uh, he covered the great Badlands song, In a Dream, a cappella, in season four. And when he, when all of a sudden, when he began to do that song, I thought, this guy, this this is my guy. Badlands, of course, is the, uh, the Jake E. Lee project after he left the Ozzy Osbourne band, and it was a blues outfit. And sadly, you can't get most of that music these days because uh, Ray Gillen, the singer, Uh, Who died of AIDS? uh, Apparently or reportedly, uh, knowingly slept with some other people, and there were all these lawsuits and things like that. So they can't get licensing for the albums, Uh, except to be on iTunes or anything. It's crazy. There's, I think you can get. uh, I think one of them is on uh, Spotify. But my point is, is uh, Bo Bice, obviously a guy that's been around a little bit, and uh, his debut single, the self, the, the title track from his debut album. The real thing. Great song about relationships, you know. Pretty awesome type stuff, right? I mean, that's the thing when, when, no, there's nothing better than being in love. It's true. Nothing better. All right, number six. This is not really my cup of tea, but it would be... This list would be incomplete if we did not include Fantasia. I didn't think she was going to win. Not because she wasn't talented, but because of the fact it was a pretty loaded season. She wins, and has had a ton of commercial success since then. In fact, she is the fifth highest grossing recording artist from the American Idol tree. And again, you know, things have kind of, again, record industry is different these days, right? People aren't buying records, you know. Everybody's just dependent on their phones now. You don't have anything tangible. But her uh, debut out, 1.8 million units, the album, Free Yourself. Well, it immediately kind of dropped off a cliff there. Then the next album did go gold, 530,000, then less than 500,000, then 300,000. And then the album in uh, 2016, just 32,000 units sold. Uh, her final album, or her most recent album, because you never know what she's gonna do, was released in 2019, sold less than 10,000 copies. But Fantasia Barino, an incredibly talented young lady, and we're going to go with When I See You. Great track. Uh, I like the track itself. The vocal is next level. Uh, but Fantasia, obviously, uh, a young lady that had a huge following. And, and listen, let me encourage you kind of get back on the train if you were a Fantasia fan because, it, you know, sales are kind of lagging these days. But uh, it's not really a measure of her talent. Number five, season seven winner, David Cook. I was rooting for David. I was happy that he won. And I remember how emotional he got singing that song at the end when he won. And that's the song we're gonna go with today. It's The Time of My Life by David Cook. Debut album, 1.38 million. Album two, 133,000. Album three, 11,000. So that's kind of what happens is like once it fades with a lot of these artists. You get that initial thing, and they get the big rush. They're on American Idol, and every week you get to know them and their families, and you love them, and think, oh, this is amazing. And then you get that debut album, and then you move to something else, right? That's just how life is. That's just what it is. Number four, one of my favorite American Idol contestants, and he wins season two. And I was happy that he won season two. I know that some people thought it was controversial. I didn't think it was. I thought Ruben Studdard was better than Clay Aiken. And not that Clay has not done a good job. And Clay actually has done a better job commercially. He has outsold Ruben Studdard two to one. But this is not a list on sales. This is a list on my preference. And I think Ruben Studdard is a guy that probably will be around longer than some of these other people. And and I I get it, you know, that the album... Industry is not what it used to be, but his debut album, Soulful, 1.792, nearly 1.8 million. How about that? And like everybody else, not not everybody else, but like most of his contemporaries, you know you, you started seeing diminished record sales after that debut album. A lot of people bought the second one, uh, but I'm going to go with I, which I think is the Ruben stuttered classic. I think it is the song when you think about his catalog this is the song that i turn to it's flying without wings it's a beautiful song not just how it's written but how it's performed ruben's an old school guy man he is and, and the only guy that i know that uh, has been on both american idol and the biggest loser yeah it's just i love that dude man and uh, hope things are well with him but now we get into the heavy hitters man now we get into these folks that um, are still selling records still recording albums and like everybody else, everybody has diminishing record sales these days. But uh, when you start you know, running the numbers here, you got uh, 25 albums between these three artists. 25! You got nearly 40 million in, al- in album sales between these three artists. And number three, I could make a case that it might make sense to some people, but it wouldn't be fair. This artist should be number one. It would be a vain attempt, though. But it's Chris Daughtry, and uh, sold over seven million records. And we knew it. Like when Chris was on the show, we all kind of knew it, right? We're like, you know what? Even if he doesn't win the show. This isn't going to be the last of Chris Daltry Remember he worked like at the auto parts place and he had his girlfriend and he was like raising her child and it was such a great story. And he got on there and he did such an amazing job. And we knew that he was going to be around. Matter of fact, Chris just released a brand new single, Artificial, that is amazing. Earlier this year, a uh, single with Lizzie Hale, a cover of Separate Ways from Journey. Chris is still around and very much relevant, still putting out good music. But we're going to go with uh, Waiting for Superman. You thought I was going to go with um, It's Not Over, right? Or After You or whatever. That's what you thought. But no, we're going to go with Waiting for Superman, which I think is an underappreciated song in his catalog. But uh, uh, Chris and the guys uh, released an album here just a couple years ago and uh, kind of releasing singles as we go, which is kind of how things work now. You release enough singles, and then you put all the B-sides together, and then you release the album. Used to, you'd have like a, 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 a an advanced single, and then that would kind of tease the album because uh, people from my generation like listening to albums in their entirety. And my hope is that you, you young folks that love vinyl, maybe you're kind of getting into that. Yeah, because when you're on your phones all the time, you're changing from one earworm to the next. But there's nothing better. Like I, some of my favorite things to do is when my wife is home. Is if we turn the record player on, and we shoot pool, and then I gotta go over there and you know change the record or whatever. And there is a journey that an album takes you on that you're never gonna find yourself. It's not if you just skip from single to single to single to single. You're never gonna it's never gonna work. That's one thing we talk about album rock. You know some of my favorite songs from the '80s and '90s are songs that were never played on radio because you get deeper into the album. The whole point the single is to get you to listen to the album. Because there's always some hidden classics in those albums. Led's Up on 4 is not Led's Up on 4 just because of Black Dog and Stairway. It's true. It's true. All right, number two on our list. And uh, this you, you might could make a case for this young lady to be number one. I would argue strongly against that. She released her 10th album earlier this year. Earlier this summer, as a matter of fact, an album called Chemistry that has already peaked at number six. It's Kelly Clarkson, season one winner. And the fact that she's still around and she's still very relevant and, um, of course, on TV a lot. It seems like every time I turn around, she's on something. But uh, an incredible artist. And what's interesting about her, too, is just when she started kind of dipping with album sales, they pick it back up. And it's not like she changed labels or changed management. She was still with RCA. You know, she had this uh, sixth record deal with RCA. I guess seventh record deal with RCA. She changed to Atlantic uh, uh, after her time at RCA. But the debut album, two point eight million. You're like, oh well, yeah, that's what everybody else. Is. Everybody else has the big debut. Guys, the second album for Kelly, six point three million copies sold. So it was the second album, the sophomore album. There was six times platinum. And so it's kind of going away from what everybody else had. Like even Chris Daughtry, 5 million in the debut, 1.3 million. So back to back platinum records. And then things kind of began to diminish for him. But it's been much different for Kelly Clarkson. Great first album, tremendous second album. The third album, less than a million copies, 858. And then what does she do? The fourth album, back over a million. The fifth album, back over a million. Sixth album, right at a million and so you begin to start doing the math here it's over 14 million records sold for kelly clarkson and again the 10th album which is the most by any uh, american idol uh, contestant uh, what's ironic is one of the guys that uh is kind of right there with her remember david archuleta yeah he's done nine albums did you know that no me either but kelly Clarkson's still kind of the queen in many respects but we're gonna go with the great song stronger what doesn't kill you makes you stronger which isn't true but uh it's fun to sing there's some things that uh doesn't kill you but still kind of mortally wound you you know or maim you didn't make me stronger at all just you know kind of like dennis leary says you know it's like you get cancer then you go into remission you get hit by a bus and then maybe you die Number one, though, and uh, give Simon Cowell credit. He said that early in season four. He said, I think you're going to go on to win this show and sell more records than any American Idol contestant in history, and she has. One album less than uh, Kelly Clarkson, but it's uh, Carrie Underwood. Who else could it be? It's Carrie Underwood. Debut album. Think about this for a second. 7.5 million copies sold for a debut album. It went nine times platinum. Second album. Over 3 million. Third album, over 2. And so things start to diminish a little bit. But again, a lot of staying power here for Carrie Underwood. And a lot of you think, well, I know he's going to go before he cheats. Nope, we're not doing that. We're not. It's overplayed. Not not that it's not a classic song, it is. But I wanted to change it up. We're going church bells. Church bells for Carrie Underwood. That's your top 10 list today. A fun list, right? Because we all kind of have emotional connection to the show, those of us that have watched it, and others, even if you didn't watch it. You know, you you had an opportunity to uh, hear a lot of this music on the radio. And is there a bigger superstar than Carrie Underwood? I don't don't know. I don't know if you could argue against that. I mean, goodness gracious. What a career that she's had. It's amazing. And it's hard to think, too, that, man, Carrie Underwood kind of rolled into our hearts 20 years ago. Yeah. Let that sink in for a second. 20 years ago. Nuts. Well, there you go. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out and let me know. Uh, best way to do that, I'm on all forms of social media, at Scout Steve R. You can uh, send me or Roy a tip or a suggestion. We'll work it into the list. You've had some good suggestions as of late, for sure. Roy can be found on Twitter and Spotify at Dogmatic67. It's dawgmatic 67. And just pass along your idea. And you know what? If If we haven't done it, we'll do it. It may take us a while, but we'll get it done. And there's some lists I can't do it justice. So maybe, maybe every once in a while, every once in a while, and please don't make a big deal about this. Every once in a while, I'll let Dana get on the mic, and there are bands that I don't like, and I know, I know right now what's going to happen. I know it as sure as I'm sitting here, and I'm fighting it with every fiber of my being. I know it. She's going to want to do a Nirvana list because she liked them. And I think maybe secretly she loves them and doesn't want to tell me that because she knows how much that I despise. Not just, it's not just so much about Nirvana, but it's the, the lies that we've told about all that. I've documented on the show, but I know this because all these years we've never done Nirvana. We've never done it. And then all of a sudden, she starts getting some feedback and she's like, well, I'll just do the bands that you don't like, The fans want to hear So I want to give you a better show. And so we may let her do a Nirvana list. Maybe, maybe. I won't listen to it, I'll tell you that. But I I may let her do it because I would have to hold my nose and do it. Because I don't think Nirvana has 10 hits. How about that? Put that in your pipe and smoke it. And I bet most of you couldn't even name more than three songs from Nirvana. But you want to rail on me, you know, but Steve, why do you hate Nirvana? Why don't I hate Nirvana? I think Nirvana was a flash in the grunge pan. They got a credit for a lot of things they didn't do. And I think we've got this BS revisionist history. People forget about the bands that actually carried it. He said, but Steve, they're the ones that went national with it. No, they're not. That was Soundgarden. You're misremembering or you didn't even know in the first place. But I'm open to it. So, I, listen, I, I can tell you this, I, and Roy would probably back me up on this. We stopped getting the suggestions, you know, about Nirvana, because you guys know my personal policy about Nirvana. But when we first started doing this, one of the most requested bands by far. So I would be remiss if I didn't at least consider the possibility. So I will think about it. I, I know Roy's in favor of it. I know he is, but I'll think about it. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a billion institution. How about that? Been around a long time, been servicing this wonderful fan base for many, many years. I love Campus Bookmart. You will too, if you don't already. Go by and see their smiling faces the next time you come to town. Go by and spend some money with them. Nobody gonna do a better job outfitting you, your family, your office, your RV, your pet, whatever you have. Whatever you need to put some Mississippi State merch on, They can help you with that. If you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR. And you know what it stands for. Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bones, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmart.net. All right. Uh, You may have seen... You may have seen... The uh, midfield logo at Davis Wade Stadium is the state script. We've had a lot of discussions, a lot of strong opinions about the marks and logos and things of that nature. Uh, We at jeanspage.com, based on a tip that was passed along to your good friend and host, we made the official change to the state script on the 247 sports platform so it's a national company that is our we were ahead of the university right we went ahead and did it uh because of the fact that uh, this is what we believe the fans want and so we're going to always do that we're going to be sensitive to that there at uh on the website we're ahead of the game and uh zach selman tweets out that it's coming along nicely And you see the state script on the field. And, man, doesn't that grass look great? What a good job that crew does. Spring game was terrible, man, right? I mean, we had some problems with the grass. They've gotten it resolved. Best playing surface in the country right here at Mississippi State. Now, a few things I want to go over with you. I've mentioned a couple things uh, to you fine folks about Bailey Howell Drive. It's down to one lane. And there is parking along the curb that didn't exist before. Be mindful of that as you travel. A few other good reminders here that, uh, speaking of parking, it's cashless transactions. You can't just show up and throw somebody 20 bucks and call it a day. Have your debit and credit cards handy. To get that handled for those of you that are in the public pay lots everybody else has a parking pass please have that positioned and available for review and inspection to kind of move these things along no tents tables or chairs permitted in parking spaces or on sidewalks that's been in place for a long long time no parking lot on parking lot islands medians berms all that good stuff you can't save a parking space you know, we got tailgating areas. Uh, parking areas must be cleared by 7 a.m. on Sunday. So if you're going to go out and drink, make sure you don't drink too much anyway because you got to have that vehicle moved. Uh, a couple other things to go over here with you, too. Uh, there's a lot of other parking stuff, too. The, 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 the parking map is probably something you need to pay attention to because there have been a lot of construction since you were here last, and some of that is ongoing. Afford yourself a little more time, but go to hellstate.com and you can look at that parking map. Kind of let you know what's happening. I know sometimes we think, well, this is what I've always done. Well, things aren't always as they were last time you were here. Transit services begin four hours prior to kickoff. It's like if you park in the research park, you park far away, you can get in the shuttle, and then two hours after the game, they'll take you back. Up till two hours after the game, they'll take you back to your rig. A lot of people like parking over in the research park because it's a little more room to operate, and anxiety is not what uh, it may be having to fight those traffic uh, areas. And again, remember many of these people that uh, are assisting you with event management, these are just trusted employees. These are not decision makers. They didn't move your lot. They had nothing to do with your priority points. They're just people doing a job. So please be courteous to them, please. I'm asking you, please be courteous to them. They got nothing to do with any of this stuff, right? They're just there to kind of facilitate what's been handed to them. Uh, That's an important aspect of it. Understand how that's gonna work. Many of them don't know their way around campus. And that's not to be critical of them. That's just to kind of say it for what it is. If you're a golf cart person, understand that uh, you can be ticketed. you got to abide by the same rules, the same laws as everybody else does. got to have a valid driver's license. You can't just turn some kid loose and call it a day. There's parking areas for those vehicles as well. There is no golf cart parking at the football stadium, however. Uh, The clear bag policy remains in place. That's something that everybody should be accustomed to. Now, if you don't have a clear bag, then you can pick one up at Campus Bookmark when you go out there to pick up your uh, interlocking MSU gear. Uh, Be mindful of that. Because if you show up and you don't have the clear bag, you know what's going to happen? You're going to have to go back to the car, and put it up. They're not going to make an exception, no matter how much money uh, that you give to Mississippi State. Reminder, two: on Thursday night, we got uh, Zach Arnett's Dog Talk Show. Uh, It's going to be at Walk-Ons. You can go by and be a part of that. Cowbell Yell, 9 p.m. If you've never been, I encourage you to go. If you're in town anyway looking for something to do, It's a great time to do a great job with that. Go in there and be a part of that. If you haven't secured your parking pass, you can do that at hellstate.com tickets as well. They're going to start closing roads at 2 p.m. on Friday. Of course, that's going to be Hood Drive, kind of shutting that down. You can begin setting up your tailgate at 4 p.m. We will close Crillman Street at 6. Go ahead and get ready for that. Again, a lot of road closures. Saturday morning, Bar Avenue, from College View to Freeman Hall, going to be closed. And you say, Steve, there's a lot of road closures. There always are. That's why it's important. And they have every one of these where they list the road closure. There's a tab for you to click, a very healthy link that provides you a map of road closures in addition to parking. Be sure and check that out. Uh, This Saturday, the free smart transits that run downtown and go to the Old Main, they'll get you rolling too. All that starts early. But tons of road closures. Be mindful of that. Ladies, again, I'm being your friend here. Remind them, hey, it wouldn't hurt to check. It wouldn't hurt to check. All right, so game day, a couple things here too to be to be mindful of as we kind of move forward here. Kind of give you a schedule of events here. So I mentioned all these road closures, but uh, the fan zone opens up at 11 a.m. You have the inflatables for the kids, all the family fun stuff. You can uh, join Bullies Kids Club stuff there, pick up your packets. The official tailgate will open. There'll be some live music there. I am not performing. Not yet, Uh, but that's, you know, so if you want to go ahead and get the party started, you can, and go ahead and get your tailgate early, and uh, they'll have some live entertainment for you at 11. Ticket office also going to open at 11, too. That's in the north end zone at the Dowsing Bell Plaza. So you say, Steve, I don't know where the north end zone is. It's on the same side as Barnes & Noble. Ticket office will be open. I would encourage you to buy online and have tickets delivered directly to your phone. But if if you're a person that wants the physical ticket, you can go do that too. Uh, The gates are going to open at 1245. And you can see on your ticket what gate you should enter in. Now, understand this too. This is the first game of the year for all of us. For some of our staffers, this is the first game ever at Davis-Wade Stadium. And so there may be some things that maybe they're unfamiliar with and you're unfamiliar with. I would allot some additional time to get in line so you don't delay your entrance into the stadium. There always seems to be some log jams early on because we we never want the party to stop, right? We just want to leave our tailgate and, you know, finish up our adult beverage as we're getting in the line and just skate right through there. It doesn't always work that way. But you can help move those lines along by having your tickets available. One of the things that Mike Richie and I used to talk about, he said, one of the biggest problems that we have is people don't transfer their tickets to their wallet. And that's the wallet on your phone, not the wallet in your pocket, right? Go ahead and send that and have that ready to scan. So when you get up there, because nothing's more aggravating when you're, you're eager to get to your seat, maybe you gotta go to the restroom, maybe you get some popcorn, whatever. And like the three or four people ahead of you, are completely unprepared to enter the stadium. Oh, oh, the tickets, oh yeah, yeah, I gotta go find. Go ahead and get that done. Go ahead and transfer them to your wallet. They can track that to find out how many percentage of people have already moved it to their wallet. So you will move those lines along, save yourself some time and the people behind you some time by having those tickets accessible in your wallet prior to game day. You need to get that done. If you got them, go ahead and do it now. As soon as you get done with the show. Have it done. Gates open at 1245. The dog walk, people always ask about this every single year before every game. It is traditionally just before three hours. Excuse me, two hours before the game. Uh, 1255, the dog walk through the junction. I know many of you like to gather for that. You like to have the, the kids be able to give a high five to your players, get some pictures as they pass. They can't stop and do a selfie with you. But dog walk, 1255 this Saturday. Uh, the Drumline Junction show, that's going to start at one o'clock. Reminder to many of you used to like to go watch the famous Maroon Band over at McCarthy. Well, McCarthy is no more. So they've moved and that's going to be in front of Stafford Hall. Listen to the famous Maroon Band warm up in front of Stafford Hall at 1.15. Tailgate. I mean, excuse me. The uh, pregame show is going to start at one o'clock. For those of you that are on your way in, you can listen on demand or on the MSU Football Radio Network. If you want to get your picture made with Bully, 125. That's going to be right there in Bully's Fan Zone. It's directly across from the South End Zone, just kind of up, just right down the road there. You'll find it. There's all the inflatables, all kind of stuff going on. 2.30, uh, we got the behind-the-mic, second-scene, screen experience. That's going to, 30 minutes before each game, that's going to happen. And you can watch the MSU radio broadcast live from the booth. One of the things that I like about that, I, I like that Bart and Charlie did such a good job kind of previewing the game. And the game's at three, in case you didn't know. The fifth quarter show will be live from Bulldog Burger in the Cotton District, hosted by Bart Gregory, Matt Wyatt, Charlie Winfield go by and you can meet them, say hello to them. They will not pick up your check, I've tried. But all of these times are important. We want you to come and have a huge game day experience. We want you to come in here and be able to get in and out of the stadium expediently. One of the things that I would remind you: uh, this campus is ours, right? It is. We are not just consumers of a product here. We are contributors to a cause. Mississippi State is our home. And so I encourage you, if you're a tailgater, let's please clean up a tailgate before we leave. Uh, If you're a person that's going to be observing the game, you're going to be a member of the ticket buying public. Let's take our trash, put it in a trash can our way out. There are a lot of people that have to, to wait to get to work until you're done. And they have to go behind you and pick up your trash. It's your trash, but you've made their job that much more difficult because you wouldn't take your trash with you. And so I'm just encouraging you to take some pride in Mississippi State and also to maybe lighten a load a little bit on some of these people working hard to give you a good game day experience. They want to get home to their families too. They want to get home and watch some college football, right? But I can promise you there have been many a night when I've walked out of Davis Wade Stadium And I see an army of people trying to clean up the junction. And listen, we all come and have a good time, we do. But there's a reason that we have trash receptacles out there. I mean, let's be civilized people here, right? It's our campus. Let's take pride in our campus and our facilities and not leave our trash. You say, but Steve, us people are paid to do that. Well, yeah, does that make it right for you to just throw your trash on the ground? I remember one game in particular, I guess it was uh, when we had the big lightning delay, I guess it was Louisiana Tech, maybe it was. It took us forever to get the game played. And it took us forever to get through post game. And then everybody has to wait, you know. And then those poor people are out there well after midnight uh, picking up your trash. I'm not going to belabor the point. I'm just going to ask you respectfully to clean up after yourself. Take some pride in Mississippi State. We're not just here to watch a ball game, right? We're here to celebrate Mississippi State. And we talk about how much we love this place and we love Starkville. Let's take some pride in it. And nobody's paying me to go pick up that trash. It's not making my job any harder, but I love this campus. I love these people and I love all of you. And let's all work together to make sure that uh, when we get done, that we don't leave a mess for somebody else. And and one of the things I remember it became a big issue a few years ago. It's uh, maybe after the 15 season. And uh, it was some young people that uh, week in and week out left a huge mess. And I remember one night walking out the post game and I look around and some of our fans are over there assisting the event management group showing some pride said, hey, you know what, this, this isn't right, man. We're gonna, we're gonna help with this. Week in and week out, it was the same group. And eventually it got addressed. I don't know if it ever got handled. Uh, But the reality of it is there are people that love this place, and we want to make sure that, uh, you know, we are a family. And I know that this whole transfer portal thing, you know, people are like, well, you know, these guys leave. They're not really a family member. But, But we are. As I said on the last show, we're not going to transfer out. This is a shared collective experience for all of us. So let's all take care of the land that we love and the campus of which that we hold so dear. It's Mississippi State. All right, get ready to move along here. Uh, we did have some media opportunities this week. As you guys know, as I mentioned earlier, we've had a ton of videos already up for you at jeanspage.com. I had a uh, Jet Johnson interview we ran uh, earlier today and uh, met with our coaches. And I'll, I'll tell you, the, the thing that I – the sense that I get, you know, from talking to coaches and players, is we're just ready to go. And as Jet Johnson said, he goes, he said, I'm kind of weird. I, I never think for where we need to be, you know. And, and I think that's the mark of uh, – of a good competitor, to be quite honest with you, is yes, you want to be confident in your game plan, you want to be confident in your preparation, but you always go out there and it's like, hey, I got to be prepared for the unexpected, right? Now, a couple of things about Southeastern that um, I picked up, and maybe you're aware of this, maybe you're not. Uh, Southeastern is going to wear a Mike Leach sticker on the helmet. Uh, they're going to help honor Mike Leach. You know, we're going to have a little bit of a celebration and to pay tribute to the life of Mike Leach. And uh, there will be a special recognition after the first quarter with Mike Leach's family on the field. This is the first home game after Mike Leach's passing. As you guys know, uh, Zach Garnett, you know, coaches in the ball game. Now, this will be his regular season debut, and um, you know, we're going to honor a great man that meant an awful lot to many of us. The reality of it is, is that um, this is the end of an era. Even though coach is gone, we're going to pay tribute to him and we're going to say goodbye. And by the same token, we're going to embrace the future with Zach Arnett. And I can only begin to imagine what he's feeling. You know, because let's just be honest. Zach Arnett, while he is a fiery and spirited competitor, is not an egomaniac. It's not that he didn't think a lot of himself or a lot of his job or a lot of his uh, responsibilities. But Zach is not a Zach guy. I'm a Zach guy. I'm a Zach fan. Zach Arnett is not a big Zach Arnett fan. Matter of fact, we, we spoke here a couple weeks ago and I said, hey, you know, I interviewed Jared Pachenko about you. I don't know if you read that article. And he goes, no, nah, I don't read things about myself. And I said, well, even this is about you. I mean, it's one of your teammates. And he goes, well, you know, maybe I'll read it during the bye week or something, you know. And I thought to myself, you know, this is the kind of guy that I won't lead in my program. Right. Uh, one of the things that I'll share, kind of looking back, At our most successful coaches um, in recent years. Uh, Dan Mullen absolutely did not care what you thought, I thought, the media thought. Outside of maybe Dr. Keenum, Scott Strickland, John Cohen, and uh, that's debatable, Dan didn't care what happened outside of the Leo Sill Jr. complex. He didn't care. He absolutely did not care about the noise. I don't know that I've been around many coaches that looked and felt the way he did about that. He just didn't care. Didn't care. Joe Moorhead, completely the opposite. Joe was a little bit too aware of the noise. I think a lot of that, too. And I love Joe. Joe's a great man. He is. He just didn't win enough here. I don't know that he was quite ready for the job. I think we all thought he was. A lot of people were telling us we upgraded. We didn't. Uh, We have the gift of hindsight now. But Joe was a little bit too aware of what people were saying about him. And so, you know, that's thus the Bob from Boca thing, right? The reason that he makes that comment is because Joe really worried and cared about what Bob thought. It was a fictitious reference, but the reality of it is it was really kind of a a harbinger of things to come. Joe was one of those guys that was just simply too aware of what happened outside the building. While Mullen had the bunker mentality, Moorhead's antennas were too far elevated. We bring Mike Leach in, um, and much like Dan Mullen, uh, Mike Leach absolutely did not care what anybody thought or said. Now, it mattered to him what John Cohen and Dr. Keenum thought, it mattered what his assistant coaches thought and his GAs and his players. And uh, you can say what you want to about him, but uh, he cared about those kids. And I know he was painted in a different light, you know, during 2020. You know, We couldn't all get together. Uh, but the reality of it is, is all Mike Leach really wanted to do was go coach his football team. And uh, he was asked many times about preseason prognostications, and he goes, you know, I'd never ask those guys advice about anything. He absolutely didn't care. Zach Arnett is much like Leach and Mullen when it comes to that. And I'll tell you this, talking to players on and off the record, they love Zach Arnett. They want to play hard for Zach Arnett. I've read many of your comments on social media and on our own jeanspage.com message boards. People are like, man, I would run through a wall for this guy. And that's great. That sentiment is wonderful. But the better part of that is, is that your players feel the same way. You know, our defense has played with an edge for three years, and we hadn't always been great. We've had some great games, but there's times we hadn't put a lot of consistency together, right? But there was never any doubt that our defense played hard. And there were times last year when the defense kind of got worn out because of the fact that, uh, you know, offensively, there were some games we just didn't show up. We didn't get the production we expected. And like in that LSU game, the Kentucky game, that fourth quarter, we gave up some big rushing numbers because we're just gassed, you know. And so with this new scheme, you know, we hope to control the flow a little bit better, you know. But talking to Cole Smith, he'll tell you, that this offense has more of an edge. The Kevin Barbe hire, right now, appears to be a rousing success. But we had not played a ball game yet. We're going to play one Saturday, and I don't know that we're going to learn much about our team Saturday either. Yeah, I would caution you guys, too. You know, 2019, southeastern Louisiana nearly marched into Oxford, Mississippi, and fought Hemingway Stadium and beat Ole Miss. That game was a one-possession game until the final minute of the game. Did you know that? Oh, you didn't? It was. Ole Miss added a pair of field goals to kind of get some separation and finally put that game away by 11 points. But Southeastern had their chances. Uh, Coach Frank Salfo had a chance to transcribe his press conference yesterday. If you think those guys are going to be scared of us, you're kidding yourself. They see it as a measuring stick, a chance for them to kind of prove to NFL scouts, hey, you know what, I should have been an SEC guy, just didn't get the opportunity. But now I've developed myself into that caliber of player they understand that the NFL scouts are going to be out there breaking down this film with Mississippi State. They have a chance to kind of stand out themselves. And Frank Selfo says, hey, the only benefit in going and playing those guys is getting that check. And if you think for one second that's what he really believes, you're kidding yourself. Frank Selfo is a great coach and has done a great job there. And, and really the only reason I think that he has not moved on to be an FBS head coach is because of his age. And, yeah, ageism's a real thing, especially when you think about this profession. But you better believe that Frank Sopo was telling his kids, hey, we can go up there and surprise these guys. You know, they got a new offense. They're going to have some little bumps. You know, they got a veteran offensive line at, at Southeastern, but they've moved some guys around. You know, they're, they're going to be taking on, you know, our front. Where we move and shift and blitz from odd angles and things like that. But if you think it's just about the check for a competitor like Frank Solpo, you're kidding yourself. And I know what he said. I transcribed it. I know exactly what he said. And we're going to win this game. Probably going to win it handily. But if you think Southeastern's going to come in here and lay down for us, you're kidding yourself. It's not going to happen. You know, they, they got one SEC win in school history, and that was in 1950 when they beat Auburn. We talked about that era a couple weeks on the show. But this is a team that schedules pretty ambitiously in the non-conference to prepare themselves for Southland conference play. It's one of the reasons they're a playoff team. The best way to kind of expose your weakness is to match it up against real strength and that's what they're going to do this weekend. They're going to learn a lot about their team. I don't know if we learn a lot about ours unless it's of the negative variety. When we get back here on Friday we're going to break down the Southeastern team. We're going to take a look at it and Yeah, it's one of the things I love about football season. And to be quite honest with you, and no disrespect intended to my friends down at Hammond, because I've spent a lot of time there, worked there two different times, um, I'm tired of talking about Southeastern. right? I feel like that's all we've talked about and written about for a month now, is Southeastern this and Southeastern that. And it's not a sexy matchup. But I think with all the things that you consider going into this, it is the home opener, brand-new offense. Uh, Mike Leach is gone, right? first-year head coach. It's probably good that we're not playing Louisville or West Virginia or Arizona in game one. Let's get a game under our belts a little bit and uh, hopefully get deep into the bench and give a lot of guys a chance to play. But, you know, especially with this offensive line, even though it's a veteran group, you know, they're, they're, they're being asked to do some things they haven't done regularly in a long time. So I won't be surprised if the offensive line plays deeper into the ball game just because of the fact that we need those guys to develop some, some chemistry together. Uh, we don't know how teams are going to attack us, and I think you know, Will Rogers is probably probably the most eager of anybody to, uh, to see somebody other than, than Matt Brock across the sidelines uh, call in place, to kind of see a regular scheme. You know, We get to see a very unorthodox scheme in practice just about every day. That's why the scout team is so invaluable, right? You're going to have somebody kind of mimic what your opponents are going to do. And so I think there are probably some opportunities that have not been available in practice that will be available against Southeastern and certainly against Arizona. And, uh, you know, again, today is Wednesday. Before You know, you get two more sleeps, and many of you are going to be headed to Stark Vegas. And um, we can't wait for you to get here, but I can tell you, uh, your coaches and players are ready to play a game for you. They're ready to get on the field. They're ready to show you what they can do. They're ready to show the world what they can do. But more importantly, they're ready to show each other, hey, we got a good team. And, again, it's going to be an interesting weekend in the SEC only because of the fact that um, there's going to be somebody out there that's going to have a good game, you know, against a season opening opponent that should. And somebody's going to get uh, nearly upset. Maybe somebody gets upset. We just don't want to be us, right? But it's one of those weekends you look at, it's basically kind of a throwaway week as far as a fan entertainment standpoint. But the reality of it is, is your team needs a game like this. And then we'll ramp it up next week and, and uh, we'll welcome Arizona to town, right? I mean, and I'm looking forward to talking about Arizona. We'll, we'll get started with that, you know, on Monday with Zach Arnett. But um, before we get there, We're going to talk about uh, southeastern one more time on Friday. We'll recap the game Monday, and kind of begin transitioning into week two. And then from there, you know, it's kind of like that. You know, if you're like me, you get into a routine. You know, hey, this is what we live for, right? It's college athletics. You know, you think you know, it's like some of our great family memories are with Mississippi State in mind. So again, if you're on the fence about coming, please come. There are some tickets still available through the Mississippi State Ticket Office. You don't have to resort to third parties and probably pay too much or run the risk of being scammed and go directly through the Mississippi State Ticket Office and pay face value for a ticket uh, with the normal processing fees. But uh, those are minimal, right? As always, please consider the Mississippi State Ticket Office first, buy tickets direct from the university whenever you can. Well, Steve, I want a better ticket. Yeah, I get it, and when you do do that, do it from a reputable company, uh, because there's a good chance that you get somebody's gonna take your money and you're gonna be stuck without any tickets. You're gonna be making a donation to their derelict duties, right? All right, let's get ready to get out of here. If you hadn't done so, go to whenthebottomfalls.com, and you can get uh, my latest book that'll be out here in a few weeks. Hopefully, we'll have a release date for you in, uh, next week, hopefully. But uh, when the bottom falls, it's uh, basically my memoirs, basically about uh, you know, what led me to addiction, what led me out of addiction, uh, living life in recovery, uh, living life, 30 years of marriage. I mean, it's uh, it's a very personal book, but uh, even if you're not impacted by addiction, I think you're going to enjoy it. Uh, everybody that has read the book, and there's only been three at this point, um, everybody that's read it, you know, has uh, told me how much they enjoyed it. And uh, there were times that they were unhappy with me and other times they were crying for me. So, I encourage you to get that, and while you're there, you can get all my sports books there, and uh, go to StarkVillains.com, and you can get your Stark Villains gear there. If you hadn't done so, come over to JeansPage.com, be a member. Nobody's going to give you better coverage, and we do a ton of uh, a ton of free content too on the team side. So look no further than JeansPage.com. Whether you're a subscriber or not for your Mississippi State news, that's where it's going to be. The most comprehensive coverage of Mississippi State athletics in the history of the university is right there at JeansPage com and forever will be until next time let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live